Coming to you from the site of the third annual VIP Honors, Cole Johnson here. Cole Sports is on tap for you. And on this special episode, this no frills episode, this stripped down, I guess you could say this is Cole Sports Unplugged episode. We're going to talk about that big deal that the Knicks and the Mavs took up. We're going to talk about that big deal that the Knicks and the Mavs did this past week involving Christoph Porzingis. Uh, We're going to talk a little little about Super Bowl 53. Of course, a LeBron James talk as well. Award the Dole of the Week and get to why two baseball players who are big high-ticket free agents are still in the market and upon further review. But let's get right to it, shall we? Now, I mentioned the, the trade that the Knicks and the Mavericks made. So last week, it was leaked out to the public that the then Knicks, Christos Porzingis, the seven foot three small forward slash power forward, said, OK, you know what? I had enough of. New York. I've had enough of the James Dolan way. I've had enough of really what I won't say New Yorkers, but what the New York Knicks think basketball is supposed to be and how professional they are. I don't want this professionalism. I want something in somewhere else. And the Knicks obliged. And boy, did they ever oblige. So they sent Porzingis, Trey Burke, and Courtney Lee to Dallas, along with, I guess you could say, some cap room help in exchange for Dennis Smith Jr., DeAndre Jordan, and Wesley Matthews. Now, the Knicks also would get an unprotected pick in 2021. And the other pick would be in 2023. Now, of course, for those of you scoring at home, that's a pick two years out from now and the pick four years out from now. Now, why would the Knicks make this trade? Well, and I said this to a friend of mine when I was talking about this issue. I said the Knicks wanted to get cap room. They wanted to breathe a little bit. They wanted to stretch a bit. And they do getting out of the contract of one Tim Hardaway Jr. because they had two more years and about 37-ish million dollars left on the contract. And so they had to move that contract out the way just so that the Knicks could have some cap space room. I guess for Knicks fans to fantasize about things such as Anthony Davis or Kevin Durant or Oh, yeah, they chanted even even when the Celtics were in town, Kyrie's name. Yeah, this would fuel the flames and fan the fire of having some high ticket free agent to make it to Madison Square Garden. I'm going to do an email real fast, but email Nick's fans. Subject of email, head out of clouds. And the body of email states the following. 
your biggest problem is James Dolan. He is not even on the on the court. He doesn't even tote the sideline. So it's not the players you have. It's not the coaching that you have. Dare say his name, the general manager. It's at the top. And he has to go. He has to sell the team, in my opinion, in order for the Knicks to be the team that you all want to have represent you guys in Madison Square Garden. Now, I heard that he wants to put up the Knicks and and sell it for, I believe, $2 billion or some sort of price tag like that. But it, it sort of is like an issue that I'm going to get to later. But if Knicks fan, if you want to be better, you got to have that guy off of the team in any way, shape, form or fashion. You can have it whether it is through selling it, whether it is through death. However, you can get James Dolan away. You got to do it because instead of focusing on making the number one DMA in the country, one of the most stalwart franchises in NBA history. He wants to set the Guinness Book of World Records for having the most kazoos played in the arena. And until then, you will fantasize about Durant, Davis, and Irving being a Nick. And be utterly frustrated with the fact that the Knicks can't get them. Why? Because these high-ticket free agents don't look at the lure of New York City being big enough. They want to play for a winner. The Knicks are not. Cole Johnson, Cole Sports, that's Cole Sports with the Z dot com. And you should know with Porzingis getting out of New York, he got on the thir- first thing smoking because he saw the same thing that we all do see which is an inept, moribund program <laughs> that's in Manhattan. Dare say it would be better to be a net than a Nick. It's getting to that point because the Knicks, as high ticket as they are, as much money and revenue as they generate, as much fanfare as they drum up, they still are horrible. And their record this year, as of this recording, 10 and 40, that pretty much tells you all you need to know about this team. And seeing Porzingis go should also tell you. I don't want to be a part of this unit. I want to be a part of a unit that's on the way up. Not on the way continuously down. Because the Knicks haven't hit rock bottom yet. Let's get out of the NBA a little bit. Let's go into the NFL. Now, they had this little game that they played called Super Bowl 53. The Patriots and the Rams were the teams that were there, and we all thought it was going to be, myself included, an offensive show. Now, I picked the Patriots to win 28-24 to because I figured... Okay, both offenses will get going in the first half and then both defenses will assert itself in the second. That's what I thought. That is what did not happen because at halftime, the score was 3-0 Patriots. 
Yeah, yeah that's for your minor national fans out there. Nil, not zero, nil. <laughs> it was a basically a tale of two teams who defensively wanted to take away the best option of the opposing offense. And it was a question of which defense was going to give up first or give out first, I think is a better term, because I wouldn't say that the Rams defense threw in the towel. It was more along the lines, I think, the Rams defense was worn down. And it was the the Patriots who, in the middle of the fourth quarter, asserted themselves, got the short passing game going, got the Rams on their heels, and all of a sudden, Brady threw a deep pass down the middle to Gronkowski, putting him within the Rams five after the game was, of course, tied at three. And then a Sonny Michelle two-yard touchdown run spelled the difference. They were up 10-3. The Rams drove down. It looked like that golf settled down. Then he threw a pick to Gilmore, which landed them at the Patriots three. And then Brady drove him down again to kick a field goal. And that is what made your final margin 13 to three. Many a fan was unhappy because, well, they wanted to have pinball machine scoring. They wanted the game that we saw the Monday before Thanksgiving between the Chiefs and the Rams. And I think people would be happy if you had two teams score over 50 points. Belichick and Phillips were not going to have that type of game happen. And to my estimation and purview, this is the type of game that is for a football purist, and I am a football purist. I mean, when I played the game, I played on the offensive line. So, you know, seeing how the trenches work, that is where that's where my heart lives. So, yes, the game to many observers was boring the game to the purists was exactly the way they wanted to see it two defenses just showing you that they actually can play the game and making the offense not so formidable now Brady was his normal self not his spectacular self he threw a pick didn't throw a touchdown but he but he came up big late Julian Edelman ended up ended up being the MVP, 10 receptions, 141 yards, and now he has the most receptions in the playoffs with the wide receiver not named Jerry Rice. And you know, you would think okay, this slot receiver has that much production in the playoffs. Well, he does have 3 rings and he's been to the game 4 times, so eh, there you go. Now, Sonny Michelle knocked on the door to 100 yards. And Gilmore probably could have gotten MVP consideration, but I knew. I was like, okay, Edelman is the only name that we keep seeing pop up. So I believe if the Patriots win, he's going to win MVP, and he did. As on the other side, McVay, Sean McVay, McVay, the coach of the Rams, he called the most conservative game of his two-year stint. In L.A., it almost seemed as though he reverted to Sean Payton two weeks before, because to me, Sean Payton in his, what, 14 years 
as the head coach of the Saints, in my opinion, called the most conservative game that I think he in his head coaching career has ever called. And playing it too close to the vest cost the Saints a game. And playing it too close to the vest cost the Rams a Super Bowl. But of course it didn't help matters that when you have the two biggest cogs in your wheel and they pump them both up in the lead up to the Super Bowl, that being Todd Gurley only gaining 35 yards on only 10 carries, which leads me to believe that he was hurt more than he let on because he was utilized less than we would think. And Jared Goff, who... I don't even have to see the numbers except for most of the one drive where the, well, I should say except for one drive and most of the other drive that let that finished off, that finished off with a pick or interception. Goff looked as though he was out of sorts. He looked like he was shook. He looked like he was, well, in the words of Stephen A. Smith, petrified. He looked as though he was a deer in headlights. That's how off-putting he looked. So, I mean, that's how the game went to me. Uh, It was basically a win for both defenses. Yes, even for the Rams defense because they they held the the Patriots to 13 points. Normally, if you hold a team 13 points, even in the Super Bowl, that's good enough for you to win. So the defenses came and they played what they were supposed to do. They did their assignments. I can't fault any defensive player on either side of the ball. But the onus of the Rams loss falls in the shoulders of Jared Goff and Todd Gurley and Sean McVay. Staying in the NFL, even with the Super Bowl looming, played, and decided, the talk is still about that pass interference mess in the NFC Championship game between the Rams and the Saints. Now, Roger Goodell in his annual Super Bowl press conference, normally done the Wednesday before the Super Bowl is played, addressed those concerns. And he said that, you know, changes need to make make haste. More than likely, replay may not be on the table, but then again, he is the puppet of the owners. They may tell him otherwise in between now, excuse me, in between now and when they meet, probably somewhere in Phoenix or L.A. or some sunny place out in California, come the spring. What I do know is that people talk about Goodell and his strained relationship with the Patriots well how about Goodell and his strained relationship with the Saints because I'm not so sure that the Saints would regard Goodell as their best friend now either and so there was an article in USA Today that talked about uh, Goodell and his up and down I guess you could say appeal to New Orleanians and Saints fan 
and the complicated history of Goodell and the Saints. I guess we can go with the bad first. Of course, he levied Bounty Gate on the team. Uh, and for those who didn't know what that was, it was back in 2009, uh, Greg Williams, the then defensive coordinator of the Saints, the former interim head coach of the Browns recently, supposedly put forth bounties uh, to the defense. And supposedly he said that he would pay someone who would knock out Brett Favre, who was then the quarterback of the Vikings, in the NFC Championship game. Whoever knocked him out, Williams himself would pay him. Hence the name and term, Bounty Gate. And in that, he suspended Jonathan Vilma, who was the middle linebacker of the Saints at the time. And he also suspended Sean Payton, the head coach, then and now of the Saints, for a whole season. And I believe it was the 2011 season that Peyton was suspended. It later came out that Goodell had to apologize and recant the fact that he suspended Vilma, but the damage was done. So, of course, then the heat went on to Williams itself, and that's where the heat should have been in the first place. So, of course, Saints fan was salty about that. So then you fast forward to a few weeks ago where in the NFC Championship game, the Saints of the Superdome, they're playing a really tough squad in the Rams. The game is tied at 20. The Saints, right before this play, two plays before, threw a bomb from Breeze to tag in to put him within the Rams 15 so they were in a good position to close out the game and to go to Atlanta to play in the Super Bowl against, well, who we then realized later on that day, the Patriots. But a funny thing happened along the way. Third down, 10. And I can talk all day about the two plays that they called before this one. Breeze threw to Tom and Lee Lewis. His head collided with uh, Nikhil Ruby Coleman. And yes, head collided before before the ball got there. Pass interference, possibly, because there's been argument as to the ball being tipped to the line. So if the ball was tipped to the line, it's still helmet to helmet. That wasn't called. Nothing was called. So, of course, the Rams... Of course, the Saints settle for a field goal. The Rams go down. They kick a field goal. They force overtime. The Rams pick off Breeze, and they kick a field goal off the Super Bowl. They go to their disappointing 13-3 loss this past Sunday. Well, Saints fan even now still hot because you had Gail Benson, the now owner of the Saints, say that something has to be done. You've had billboards all throughout New Orleans saying that the Saints were robbed. You've even had people go put forth GoFundMe accounts to fund a lawyer to sue the NFL for not replaying the game. And to that, Goodell was as stubborn now or then as he was years before when 
Here's the good. The Saints were about to leave New Orleans. And you're saying, well, why would the Saints leave? Well, remember, Hurricane Katrina then was huge at the time. It just destroyed the whole city. And it definitely damaged the Superdome to the point where you almost could recognize it. It definitely doesn't look like it does now. So, of course, that whole year, which was 2005, they went and played most of their home games in San Antonio. Well, Gail's husband, the late Tom Benson, was thinking about moving the team from New Orleans. And San Antonio was one of the sites that he was thinking about moving the team to. Well, Goodell said, no, 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 no. This community, talking about New Orleans, needs the Saints. And as far as I'm commissioner, and as long as I'm commissioner, they're not moving anywhere. So kudos to, to Roger for standing fast, staying firm, and not allowing the team to move. So the stubbornness to keep the team in New Orleans is the same type of stubbornness that is making Saints fan crazy about following bounty gate punishments and pretty much not doing much of anything with the missed pass interference slash helmet-to-helmet personal foul penalty not being called in the NFC Championship game. What I think Goodell... I think what Goodell misses is, I guess, the sense of humility or even a sense of or, or even a sense of uh, compunction. He seemed rather glib in just saying, well, yeah, the rest missed it. That's not right. Okay, on to Super Bowl 53. Well, you can see how that would be salty to a fan base. Well, uh, Goodell has that to worry about because it's, it's evident and obvious that uh, Goodell is not a people person. Never has been. He isn't now. Never will be. But what should we all expect? This is Roger Goodell, the puppet of the 32 owners in the NFL. When I return, we're going to talk about LeBron James. Yes, I love the topic of LeBron James. <laughs> We're, of course, later going to award the Dota of the Week and get into why we have high-ticket free agents in baseball still not signed. Training camp and spring training is only three weeks away. Be right back. Welcome back to the site of the third annual VIP honors, Cole Johnson here. Cole Sports is ramped up, and I'm going to go in here. This is no frills. All right, so this is the, the scene. Small forward and power broker, <laughs> Lakers LeBron James had... An unfortunate accident with his growing leading up to Christmas. He pulled it. So I guess you can say he had a sports hernia. And he set out. Now, I had a conversation with a, a VIP 
off air and we were talking about MVPs and of course you know the usual suspects you know Giannis Antetokounmpo Kevin Durant Steph Curry James Harden all of those names mentioned and I blatantly said and this was about a month ago I said you can forget about LeBron James being an MVP candidate because this injury is going to take him out of the running. And so the VIP responded to me by saying, uh-uh, he's going to be back in about two, three games. Well, LeBron set out a month. Actually set out more than a month. This, This past week, he triumphantly returned in a, quote, road close quote game against the Clippers reason why I said road game is for those of you who don't understand the Lakers and the Clippers share the same arena and they actually do stage home in road games for the teams when they play each other so he plays against the Clippers he does a good job I mean 24 points 14 boards 9 assists and the Lakers win the game the next game would be against the Warriors also it's on national television and LeBron James is not suiting up in fact he sits and the coach of the Lakers Luke Walton pretty much said that this was a decision that he took on and I'll paraphrase here he said that he hadn't been playing a lot of basketball to to this point and figuring that they had a couple days to the next game, he would sit James because it would be, quote, load management. Close quote. Now, LeBron this year is averaging 22 points, nine rebounds, seven assists, having a pretty good year. Maybe not by his standards. But uh, by the standards of most NBA players, that pretty much would be a good line to have for a year. But, of course, when we heard the words load management, people just went haywire. NBA fan couldn't believe it. I could. And here's why I can. LeBron blew the candles to his 34th birthday just this past December. He has been an NBA player since November 2003. So what makes you think that there isn't 16 years of buildup? And that's just in the NBA. We're not even talking about the high school career he had or junior high. 16 rigorous NBA years and you would expect LeBron James, who has not had a debilitating injury until now, I may add. Not show any wear and tear? Uh, Do you all remember Kobe Bryant? I mean, he didn't really suffer from too many injuries himself. In fact, he played through a few. I mean, he, 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 (laughs) he played through much of his career. Didn't sit all that often. And he played hard until he was 36. And all of a sudden, let's just say 34. Oh, 34. And all of a sudden, bam, Achilles gone. 
and he was no good that he had to miss most of one year and then his last year he sparingly played the body was not meant to have all of that all of that energy be expended year after year because we see in clips all throughout the summer LeBron isn't just sitting down sipping on wine being on boats with his other banana boat brethren all the time he's in the gym working on this game still driving to the hole still doing jump shots his body is still exerting itself and that is not including the workouts that he does so you do this year after year and you do this for 16 years on the pro level something's bound to give and unfortunately it was his growing that did so as ridiculous as the words load management sounds it sort of is the right thing to do and why as I said you're dealing with a guy who's been playing at a high level in the NBA for 16 years and you can't expect a guy to all of a sudden be healed as quick as a snap of a finger with that much mileage on his body and we're not just talking about 16 regular season years we're talking about maybe 13 of them extending itself to the postseason too with the last eight having him play competitive uh, competitive basketball from middle of October till roughly early June, sometimes mid-June. That's eight solid months of basketball play. Not practice. Games. So we're talking about in the realm of almost 100 games a year for nine straight years. And that's just the last nine. We're not talking about the ones beforehand. So that's going to take a toll. And that is load management to say, uh, take a chill pill. Now, here's the problem about this move, though. Huge problem. When you have a primetime game on tap, because the Lakers and Warriors are supposed to be primetime, and they had their chance to do this beforehand, and they did the similar dance, but this was, of course, explained away by the fact that LeBron James just hurt his his growing where the two teams faced off on Christmas Day and I still think that was a bad decision to do um, still don't think that the two teams should have played each other then now it's fine then no but ABC was robbed of their primetime game because LeBron James was sat Due to load management. Now, you know, the NBA offices and Disney, who, of course, owns ESPN and ABC, are not all that happy. I wouldn't be either. I wouldn't be either. But them's are the breaks because you're going to have to deal with this when it comes to LeBron James at every single turn. 30. Four years old 16 years 
now in his 17th year in the NBA, exerting all that energy. It just is bound to happen. It happens to the best of them. He is of no exception. Now, for what it's worth, the Lakers went on to lose the game, but Walton is serving him for the run in March and April. Will they even get a run in April? That is the next question. Hopefully with hopefully they do. The NBA hopes they do because the NBA wants to have the number two DMA market in the country represented in the playoffs because they haven't been in a few years since, I believe, 2012. So the NBA is hungry for the Lakers to make it back to the playoffs. But uh, the young bucks are not liking the fact that they feel as though they're trade bait. That is an, that's another issue of a different sort. I'll address that at another time. But when I do return from this time, when I return, the dot of the week will be announced. You tuned into the classiest sports show on the planet. This is Cole Johnson on the site of the third annual VIP Honors. Brought to you by Cole's From the vault, a look back at a key moment in sports history. February 2nd, 2014. Super Bowl 48. The crown jewel of all American sports makes its way to the Meadowlands and the New York area for the first time ever. As the Broncos faced off against the Seahawks. Concerns were that the game was going to be either iced out or snowed out. But kickoff, the temperature was 50 degrees. I did mention kickoff, right? Well, after the kickoff was fielded by the Broncos, the game was over. Botch snaps, interceptions, and fumbles Foiled all efforts by the Broncos as the Seahawks defense dominated and also the special teams as well in a 48 in a 43 to 8 demonstration of a butt whooping on television. Malcolm Smith, the linebacker of the Seahawks, ended up being the MVP of the game. But the Broncos just had nothing for the Seahawks on this date. February 2nd, 2014, the Seahawks win their first Super Bowl in in their second try with a 43 to 30 with a 43 to 8 dominant win over the Broncos. From the vault, brought to you by Goldsport. Welcome back to Cole Sports. Cole Johnson here. I am on the site of the third annual VIP Honors. 
And in just a few minutes from this recording, the show will be done. But I had to give you something special before I even take to the stage. So, <laughs> this, of course, is sponsored by Nobody. We're still going to give it to you straight with no chaser, even with it being raw and uncut. Because this is going to be your next Dolt of the Week. And I'm going to go right into it. The Dolt of this week, it came close to being Luke Walton, but I was like, no, no, no. No, the Dolt of the Week is going to be Shaquille O'Neal. I'm sorry, Dr. Shaquille O'Neal. And why? Well, I almost came close to also awarding it to Anthony Davis as well. But he doesn't deserve the honor. He basically just made himself known that he didn't want to be a New Orleans Pelican. The problem I had with that is he made that public. He should have done what Porzingis did and just say what he had to say about wanting to not be there in private, not leak it out to the public. Shaquille saw all of what Davis wants to leave where Davis wants to go and he opined a lot of different things quote I think he's a fabulous guy I think he's a great player but I come from the place to where if you're telling me I was great, I would have to show you that I'm really great. The second thing is, if he stays home, he gets $240 million. If he leaves, he gets $209 million. I'm not giving up that $31 million for anybody. What I would try to do is keep that. And then, now I'm the man and I'm now going to recruit LeBron to play with me. I got to recruit Kyrie to play with me because business wise, 240 million in Louisiana will go way further than 240 million in LA. Trust me, I know this for a fact. Close quote. And Jack, why do you know this for a fact? Oh, I think I know why you know this for a fact. Because you played for a small market team or slow to mid market team yourself. Before, what did you do? Oh, yeah, you signed as a free agent with the Lakers. So, you have this knowledge and experience of playing for the Lakers. And you say that Anthony Davis shouldn't do the same thing. Why? Shouldn't he do the same thing, Shaquille? Why? I mean, it worked out for you. You won three world championships for the team. You went to four NBA finals with the Lakers. It worked out for you, and now you're in the pantheon of greatest Lakers. You'll be mentioned in the same breath now as Kobe and Magic and Kareem. And even Wilt, who... Played just a few years with the Lakers. You'll be mentioned in the same breath as them and Jerry West. You'll be mentioned in the same breath as them as being an all-time Laker. So why wouldn't Anthony Davis want to join that lineage? Because you did. 
I'll take you back to 1996. Now, this same guy who says that I would stay home and get more money, now I get that the landscape is a little different. They put this rule in place so they can entice players to stay where they are and make going from one place to another less appealing than staying where they are financially. That wasn't in place when Shaq made the deal with the Lakers and leaving Orlando with the Magic. You had a great situation. The year before you went to the finals with that team. And that team was just as young as you were. You went to the finals and you were then only 23. Then you get, of course, summarily bounced and swept by the Bulls the next year. In the Eastern Conference semifinals, if I'm not, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. You then went to the Lakers because you saw more than money. You saw endorsements. Even though you had your endorsements in Orlando, you saw more endorsements. You had an eye toward entertainment. You already were doing movies before then, but you wanted to do even more. And you wanted to be more of a presence in Hollywood. And you wanted to be part of the Lakers tradition in history. No hate, no shade. But that's what you did. You went there and you didn't think twice about going there. Now, Davis is 25 and he's having this itch to go elsewhere. Correct me if I'm wrong. What was your age when you signed that? That lucrative 120-ish million dollar contract for the Lakers. I think you were, oh yes, 24. So you can't tell me that in your mid-20s, if someone were to say to you, Jack, forget L.A., forget the Lakers. Yeah, I get it, man. You want to be part of that history and that lineage and that tradition. That's cool. But you creating your own thing here in Orlando, man. You should stay. You're on the doorstep to being 47. You'll be 47 in a month from now. You're speaking as a 47-year-old. Of course you're thinking hindsight being 2020 because I'm thinking similarly. I get more money here and the money travels further here. I would get less money in either New York or Chicago or L.A. Less money and the money doesn't travel as far. And yes, I could be that power broker. Guess where it failed? Because it was attempted, I guess you could say. And he was in a big market. Yeah. Carmelo Anthony tried that. He tried to say, look, I'm in the biggest market there is in the NBA. I'm here. Come on. Come on. We can win a championship together. I'm here for you. Jump on it. I'm that man for you. And what did the what did the free agents do? One after another passed up the Knicks. Because the thought was, well, Carmelo is just going to get his. Forget about everybody else. 
So, yes, yeah, Shaq, you could be the man all you want, but uh, if you're not the power broker, and I can tell you the power brokers that's in the NBA right now, if you're not, I would say Kyrie to a smaller ex- extent and degree. If you're not Kyrie, if you're not Stephon Curry, because it's not Kevin Durant, because Durant went to Curry's team to play with him. And if you're not LeBron James, teams ain't loading up to play for you. You have to come with the you have to come with the ducats. And if you don't come with the money, they ain't going there. Kawhi could have been that same broker. He had the same thing happen to him. He had the same money that was going to come to him. And guess where he is now? Is he playing for the Spurs? No. He didn't care about the money. He wanted out. That's the same thing you have with Anthony Davis. He doesn't care about the money. He wants out. You're an intelligent guy, although you play silly, Shaq. You are an intelligent guy. You know, know, intrinsically know why Davis is wanting to leave New Orleans. He doesn't want to be a big fish in a small pond. He wants to be a big fish, but he wants to be a big fish in a big pond. And right now, unfortunately, there's only three ponds big enough and those ponds would be Boston Bay Area LA now the situation with Atetacompo that might be what you're talking about and that may happen but come on dude you're asking a guy in his mid-twenties to stay at a program and simply suck it up and just go nowhere as a team but you getting rich I'll say it again go to Carmelo Anthony and ask him how did that go I get what you're saying Shaq but you're speaking like me a mature man looking at a young man saying don't make this mis- don't make a young man mistake and this might not be a mistake but yes monetarily Yeah, he stands to lose a lot. No question there. But Davis wants to get out because he wants to win. And you know what? Hey, that's on him. Now, his mistake is just voicing it to the public. But if that's what he wants to do, cool. But you can't tell him the money stretches further when it looks like to me, Davis doesn't care about the money because he already has a sprawling mansion out in L.A. as we as we're speaking. He's made up his mind. He wants to go. Who are we to tell him different? But I will say this. Anthony Davis played himself. Bad move, son. When I return. High ticket free agents. Now, we were talking about a high-ticket person who is not a free agent yet, but high-ticket free agents in the Major League Baseball market. Upon further review, is next.
coming up on the next episode of Cold Sports. Well, I did say last week that the VIP honors would be on, on its way, but I decided to give you a special episode here. VIP honors will be on tap. And afterwards, we will talk about the All-Star Game and all other things that are happening. Spring training is coming up in Major League Baseball. Uh, we'll probably unpack a little more of the Super Bowl. If I decide to do that, of course, we're going to go in on the subject. Uh, have a dole of the week. And upon further review, don't know what that's going to be yet. But you just have to tune in. See, but that's for later. Now, though... Bryce Harper, Manny Machado, two high-ticket free agents, and here we are, February. Pitches and catches report in about two and a half weeks from now. Players have to go to their teams about three weeks from now. Upon further review, we'll focus on these two. And here's where it gets interesting to me. You have two guys who are in their prime. They are in their prime. They just entered into their prime. They're both 26 years of age. They both have been on perennial playoff teams. Machado with the Dodgers. Being traded there, of course. Bryce Harper being drafted by the Nationals. So they are in good situations. No, I should say they were in good situations before they each elected to test the market. But the market is proving to be complicated. It's also proving to be... uh, hmm. The swing and the miss, I guess you could say. (laughs) Uh, That normally free agency is not. Now, Major League Baseball and the ownerships collectively bargained as recently as 2017. And one of the things in which got agreed to in the collective bargaining agreement is that teams will get punished even more for exceeding the luxury tax threshold. And uh, the number is currently set at $206 million, meaning if a team like the Yankees were to have a payroll that extends to let's say the the salary cap is 160 million. If they were to exceed that, they would have to pay an extra 206 million dollars to Major League Baseball. So it makes teams reticent, hesitant, leery to sign a big ticket free agent because these guys are commanding multi-year close to $300 million contracts guys like Machado and Harper they're commanding those type of dollars so you do the math 
and you have to pay you have to allot them between 30 and 35 million dollars a year now you field about what 50 play 50 players i think on on the squad you field them and that's a lot to stretch and so of course this is done really as a we don't want to have the Yankees, Dodgers, and Red Sox to dominate baseball because they could just scratch a check to whomever they whoever they want, and then they could scratch a check to Major League Baseball and say, hm, oh, "Okay, here's our luxury tax. We'll pay this over. I don't care how many times we sign these contracts for these big time players because we want to win a championship, and we will do everything possible, including pay you to do it." So they wanted to make the price tag a little too steep for teams to do that, especially these three. And then, of course, they have to think about, well, do they want to give contracts to extend 10 years? Now, if each guy were to get a 10-year contract, they'll be 36 when the contract's over. So all of their prime, they will be under this long-term contract. So there's a lot of things to consider, a lot of things to ponder and think about. There's a lot of things to consider for Machado and Harper. There's also a lot of things to consider for these 30 teams that are bidding for the services of these two free agents. Now, when I was asked this question on Voices from the Underground, I figured that both would end up on the East Coast. I said Machado will probably end up being a Philly. And I feel as though even though he'd be great in Chicago, that Harper would be a Yankee. Your guess is as good as mine. I don't know where either guy is going to be. I don't know where either guy is going to land. But what I do know is that wherever they do land, they're going to make their team exponentially better because both guys are studs in their respective rights. You have... A 5-2 player at shortstop, another 5-2 player in right field. I mean, it just, you put them on your squad, you're, you're exponentially better for it. But the question is, who's going to scratch the check? We don't know who. And I think right now we don't care who. We just want to see them on the diamond. If you happen to like this episode or any episode that you've heard thus far, hit that subscribe button. Come on to ColdSportsWithAZ.com. It's that simple. You want merchandise. You want to say it with your chest. You want to hear guest appearances that I've made. You want this voice to grace your commercial. Whatever you want. Even reach me via email. Just come to ColdSportsWithAZ.com and I will take care of you. It's just that simple. 
And speaking of it's that simple, three things is what we ask. Love your neighbor as yourself and love yourself with all of your heart. Tell a friend to tell a friend about this particular program and enjoy the content. For the Intelligent Sportsman, I am Cole Johnson on the site of the third annual VIP Honors. And this is Cole Sports. See you inside.